Hi, this is David. I am back with you for the third and final episode of David Part 3, put together by Pastor L.G. Merritt. But before we begin, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. David, Part 3. 1 Samuel 31.11-13 through 13. When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men journeyed through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh. And they fasted seven days. 5.1.7 Most of Israel mourned the death of King Saul. Point one eight. David wept with the nation and composed a eulogy in honor of Saul and Jonathan. And that's from 2 Samuel 1, 17 through 27. 2 Samuel 1, 19 through 27. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Goth, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountain of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offerings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughter of Israel, weep for Saul who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. Point six. David became king of Israel, 6.1. King of Hebron, 6.11. David became king of the tribe of Judah. That's 2 Samuel 2.3. Before he came king of all Israel, 6.1.2. His capital was in Hebron, about 30 miles south of Jerusalem, from where he governed the affairs of Judah for seven and one half years. 2 Samuel Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, Go up. David asked, Where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family. And they settled in Hebron and its towns. 
6.1.3. David defeated Abner and Ishobeth, putting both Abner into his army as chief of staff. Abner is made chief of staff of David's army. 2 Samuel 3.12. When Abner sent messages on his behalf to say to David, Whose land is it? Make an agreement with me, and I will help you bring all Israel over to you. 2 Samuel 3.17 and 3.18 Adonir conferred with the elders of Israel and said, For some time you have wanted to make David your king. Now do it, for the Lord promised David, By my servant David I will rescue my people, Israel from the land, hand of the Philistines, and from the hand of all their enemies. 6.1.4 The victory led by Joab puts an end to the civil war and gradually permits David to acquire the loyalty of the tribes in the north, although it cost Abner his wife. Joab murders the old general in an act of jealousy and antipathy. 2 Samuel 3.13-16 Good, David said. I will make an arrangement with you, but I demand one thing of you. Do not come into my presence unless you bring Michael, daughter of Saul, when you come to see me. Then David sent messengers to Isbosheth, son of Saul, demanding, Give me my wife Michael, whom I betrothed to myself for the price of a hundred Philistine foreskins. So Isbosheth gave orders and had her taken away from her husband Paltiel, son of Laish. Her husband, however, went with her, weeping behind her all the way to Baharum. Then Abner said to him, Go back home. So he went back. Abner also spoke to the Benjamites in person. Then he went to Hebron to tell David everything that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin wanted to do. When Abner, who had twenty men with him, came to David at Hebron, David prepared a feast for him and his men. Then Abner said to David, Let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my lord the king, so that they may make a compact with you, and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he is gone. You, owe Ab you know Abner, son of Ner. He came to deceive you and observe your movements and find out everything you are doing. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Shel, his brother. 6.1.5 Among his most strategic moves to enlarge his domain were the gestures of friendship toward the men of Jabesh-Gilead, recalling of Michael his wife, and his gesture of friendship toward Mephishobeth, heir of Saul. Jabesh-Gilead, Saul 2.4 through 2.7. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and they were anointed King David over the house of Judah. When David was told that it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to his men of Jabesh-Gilead to tell them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave. 
for Saul your master is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Michael, 2 Samuel 3.12-14 And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and, behold, my hand shall be with thee, to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter. And when thou comest to see my face, and David sent messengers to Ishobeth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife Michael, which I espouse to me for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Mephishobeth, 2 Samuel 9.1 through 9.7 David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are ye Ziba, your servant, he replied? The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodebar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amil. When Mephishobeth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephishobeth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul and you will always eat at my table. 6.1.6 Slowly but surely, David was able to woo the other tribes into his kingdom. All Israel finally crowned him king of Israel. He was the first king of united Israel, and the founder of a dynasty which remained in power about 425 years. 6.1.7 Few dynasties in the world have equaled the records of the family of David. 6.1.8 King of Jerusalem, David had many wives and concubines who bore him many sons and daughters. The most famous of his sons were Absalom, Adonijah, Ammon, and Solomon. Tamar was the most famous daughter. 6.1.9 Tragedy struck hard and often in the family of David. Intrigue and rivalry always seem to follow the careers of sons born to fathers who marry many wives. 6.1.1 Absalom slew Ammon for the rape of Tamar. David's nephew, Joab, slew Absalom for treason. Solomon banished Adonijah for political reasons. 6.1.11 The tragedy of David's life was his family problems. He could weld a nation of headstrong tribes into a solid unit, but his sons created chaos under his very eyes. David was also unable to control his own desires. 6.1.2 
David's murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and his failure to discipline Ammon for raking Tamar resulted in the rebellion of Absalom. The intrigue of the subsequent events equal Adam Schiff's latest impeachment pursuits. 2 Samuel 15.12 While Absalom was suffering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, Bathsheba's grandfather. Ahithophel had been David's most trusted counselor. Ahithophel had not gotten over what David did to his granddaughter. Since the general population held Ahithophel in high regard, Absalom's rebellion gained strength. Absalom's following kept on increasing. 6.12.1 David is forced to leave Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 15.13-15.27 A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him, along with all the Carathites and Peleothites, and all the six hundred Gittites, who had accompanied him from Goth, marched before the king. The king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. Tell Absalom you are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. David said to Ittai, Go ahead, march on. So Ittai, the Gittite, marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark, and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back, and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok, the priest, Aren't you a seer? Go back to the city in peace. With your son Ahamaz and Jonathan, son of Abathar, you and your Abathar take your two sons with you. 2 Samuel 15.28-31 I will wait in the fords in the desert until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abathar took the ark back to Jerusalem and stayed there. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told Ahithophel's, Bathsheba's grandfather, is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, O Lord, 
turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. 6.12.2 David was alarmed because for years he had believed Ahithophel's was wise counsel. Now he is concerned Ahithophel will wisely counsel Absalom, and thus David foresees trouble ahead. 2 Samuel 15.32-15.37 When David arrived at the summit, where people used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I will be your servant. Then said David, You can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priests Zadok and Abathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Their two sons, Ahamaz, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, son of Abathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. So David's friend, Hushai, arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. 6.12.3 Absalom enters Jerusalem and takes up residence in David's palace. 2 Samuel 16.15-16.22 Meanwhile, Absalom and all the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with Absalom. Then Hushai, an archite, David's friend, went to Absalom and said to him, Long live the king, long live the king. Absalom asked Hushai, Is this the love you show your friend? Why didn't you go with your friend? Hushai said to Absalom, No, the one chosen by the Lord, by these people, and by all the men of Israel, his I will be, and I will remain with him. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the son? Just as I served your father, so I will serve you. Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give us your advice. What should we do? Ahithophel answered, Lie with your father's concubines, who he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench in your father's nostrils, and the hands of everyone with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and he lay with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days the advice of Hethophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. Ahithophel said to Absalom, I would choose 12,000 men and set out tonight in pursuit of David. I would attack him while he is weary and weak. I would strike him with terror, and then all the people with him will flee. I would strike down only the king and bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. All the people will be unharmed. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But Absalom said, Summon also Hushai the archite, so we can hear what he has to say. 6.12.4 Hushai, as requested by David, offered advice opposite of that given by Hethophel. 2 Samuel 17.6-14 
When Hushai came to him, Absalom said, Ahithophel has given this advice. Should we do what he says? If not, give us your opinion. Hushai replied to Absalom, The advice Ahithophel has given is not good this time. You know your father and his men. They are fighters, and as fierce as a wild bear robbed of her cubs. Besides, your father is an experienced fighter. He will not spend the night with the troops. Even now he is hidden in a cave or some other place. If he should attack your troops first, whoever hears about it will say, There has been a slaughter among the troops who follow Absalom. Then even the bravest soldier, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a fighter and that those with him are brave. So I advise you, let all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, as numerous as the sands on the seashore, be gathered to you, with you yourself leading them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found, and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he withdraws into the city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we will drag it down to the valley until not even a piece of it can be found. Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai the Archite is better than that of Arithophel. For the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. Hushai's advice will save King David. David will now have time to dig in and establish Transjordan allies in the area east of the Jordan. He will prepare his forces on the high ground. Hushai told Zadok and Abathar, the priests, Arithophel has advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do such and such, but I advise them to do so and so. 6.12.6 it is now time to communicate with David. Second Samuel seventeen sixteen through twenty two. Now send a message immediately and tell David, Do not to spend the night at the fords in the desert. Cross over without fail, or the king and all the people with him will be swallowed up. Jonathan and Amazaz were staying at Enrogel. A servant girl was to go and inform them. And they were to go and tell King David, for they could not risk being seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So the two of them left quickly and went to the house of a man in Baharum. He had a well in his courtyard, and they climbed down into it. His wife took a covering and spread it out over the opening of the well and scattered grain over it. No one knew anything about it. When Absalom's men came to the woman at the house, they asked, Where are Amiz and Jonathan? The woman answered them. They crossed over the brook. The men searched but found no one, so they returned to Jerusalem. After the men had gone, the two climbed out of the well and went to inform King David. They said to him, Set out and cross the river at once. Ahithophel has advised such and such against you. So David and all the people with him 
set out and crossed the Jordan. By daybreak, no one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. Point 7. David's first act as king of all Israel was to choose a site for the capital that would be acceptable both to the northern and the southern tribes. Jerusalem was to become that place. 7.1. David built his palace on Mount Zion, the southeast hill captured from the Jebusites, and he erected a number of government buildings to house his offices. 2 Samuel 5.6-9. through 9. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites, who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. On that day, David said, Anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind, who are David's enemies. That is why they say, the blind and lame will not enter the palace. David then took up on residence in the fortress and called it the City of David. He built up the area around it from the supporting terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. 7.1.1 His own experience in the period of the judges proved that a people's army was not dependable. He therefore created a professional army. 7.2 David's army was composed of many Chetherites and Pelethites under the leadership of Benai and the 600 men under Etai of Gath, an old friend from David's fugitive period and many professional soldiers from Ammon and Gilead. 7.3. David waged war successfully against the Philistines against Edom, Moab, Ammon, and Aram or Syria. That's from 2 Samuel 5, 8, 10, and 12. Point 8. David's two most significant contributions to the life of Israel were 8.1 the unification of the twelve tribes into a monarchy whose capital was in Jerusalem, and, 8.2, the plans for the centralization of worship in Jerusalem in a temple. He did this by establishing the worship of the people of Israel according to the Mosaic law as seen in the ritual of the ark. 8.3, by placing the ark, the symbol of the invisible God, in the center of the state, David centralized the religious worship in Jerusalem and prepared the way for the temple. Subsequent history accredits to him not only the physical materials of the temple, but much of the music that would constitute the worship of the temple. 8.4 The Jews of later days looked back to David as the ideal king, and pictured as a second David the ruler of the happy day for which they hoped. Point 9. Evaluation. 9.1. David was not without fault. The affair with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah indicate his human weakness. 9.3. 9.3. He often showed disrespect for the men who had been his staunchest supporters, Joab 
and the army of Israel in the rebellion of Absalom. 9.4. However, he was true to commitments, intensely loyal to friends, and more amiable to prophetic guidance than was Saul. 9.5. He has been called the sweet singer of Israel, the founder of a dynasty of kings, a prophet, one beloved of God, for his heart was inclined toward God, and he knew how to repent and ask for God's grace. 10. David and Eschatology 10.1. David begins a line of Christ from the tribe of Judah. This continuation will be known as the Davidic Covenant, one of four unconditional covenants to be filled in the millennium. 10.2. The Davidic Covenant can be found in several scriptures. Ezekiel 37.25. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Second Samuel 7.10 through 16. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of the wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since the time that I have commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have accused thee to rest from all thine enemies. And when the days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. 10.2.1 The certainty of the promises of Israel and David are established in Scripture. Jeremiah 33, 20 and 21 Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season. Then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. Jeremiah 31, 35-37 Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances, of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, If heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. 10.3 As you can see, these scriptures promised a dynasty, a nation, and a throne. 10.4 The line will not change. There will always be a descendant of David on Israel's throne from the tribe of Judah. 
10.5. Jesus in heaven is the fulfillment today during the church age. Israel is in a state of suspended animation. That concludes part three on the study of David. But before we go, there's some very interesting things in the stories of David. Uh, Jonathan, Abner, the witches of Endor. They are all incredibly interesting, and uh, it's names out of something that sounds like a Lord of the Rings book. But I believe Pastor Merritt's going to get into those uh, in future studies, and I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope you can come along for that ride. You know, David did so many great things, uh, but then again, he was a man, and he displayed a lot of the traits that a lot of us possess, you know, selfishness, arrogance, hard-headedness. He was conniving at times. Uh, but again, a man after God's own heart. Look at what he was talking about in Ezekiel 14, 14. When he says, you know, if it was Daniel or Noah or Job, three of the greatest names in the Bible, that they could only save themselves because he wouldn't be going to help. He wouldn't change his mind. So now this really does conclude the three-part series of Pastor Merritt's The Study of David. I've enjoyed presenting it. So in conclusion, if there's anyone without Christ in their life, it's as simple as believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.